Hello and welcome to The Lyle Shelton Show. Thanks for joining me. Are you tired of the blatant bias of the mainstream media? I am. We need to demand truth of them and you'll enjoy a powerful display of just that later in the show. This week, the South Australian Parliament is debating a Liberal-led bill to allow the killing of unborn babies right up until the moment of birth. I kid you not. The good news is thousands of people who would normally vote Liberal marched in the streets of Adelaide in protest. By the way, in spite of some of the elements that have drifted far from Menzies within the Liberal Party, I still think they and the Nationals are the hope of the side politically. But we must call out those who've drifted away from Liberal values and are doing the wrong thing. Coming up, I'll bring you uh, the interview that I've done with one of the organisers of that march, uh, who tells why there is reason for some hope. The bill can't be stopped, sadly, but the pro-life cause is making progress, and that's good news. But first, lost amid the political farce of Donald Trump's impeachment trial in the US Senate, is the fact that tens of millions of Americans hold serious doubts about the fairness of the November 3 presidential election. The made-for-television theatrics from the well of the Senate were curated to shame anyone into ever again thinking there was a problem with that election, let alone ask questions out loud. It was an exercise in crushing dissent. But as much as the mainstream media likes to assert it, these people are not all idiots believing baseless conspiracy theories or the big lie. Hundreds of thousands of ordinary Americans turned up on an icy January 6 to protest the handling of an election which had all the hallmarks of a Zimbabwean plebiscite. A tiny percentage of protesters didn't bother even listening to Donald Trump's speech at the Ellipse just outside the White House. In fact, they didn't even attend his speech. They were a 45-minute walk away breaching the barricades and storming the building even before Trump uttered the words, march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol. How can an insurrection be incited by a speech at which the rioters were not present? But such details don't matter to those riven with Trump derangement syndrome when an opportunity arises to drive a stake into the heart of who they see as Dracula. Since that afternoon, mainstream media and cultural elites have effectively tagged anyone who agrees with Trump's policy agenda with the stigma of domestic terrorists. Now, the inexcusable violence of a few on January 6 derailed the opportunity for a global audience to hear credible allegations in the Senate of what even Mike Pence described as irregularities and illegal activity. This is what Pence said in a letter to the Congress. After the election, with significant allegations of voting irregularities and numerous instances of officials setting aside state election law, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about the integrity of the election. Now, they're Mike Pence's words. Was Pence fanning the big lie? Whenever mainstream media tell me something is as they say it is and that the conversation is closed without providing evidence, I reserve my right to keep asking questions. Besides, in a democracy, no question is ever closed. No leader is above questioning on anything. The alternative is totalitarianism. Are we there? What we have been witnessing is a Soviet-style show trial complete with struggle sessions. It's self-evident that we've been watching this, and it's something that Stalin would have been proud of. 
kiss the ring and everything will be fine. The struggle session insight comes from observations made by Steve Bannon and Raheem Kassam on the massively popular War Room pandemic podcast, Credit Where Credit's Due. And before leftists set their hair on fire about me getting information from the War Room, I suggest they look carefully at the message before shooting the messengers. It's so so much easier to cancel people than to engage their arguments. Now, leading the struggle session was the Democrats' House impeachment manager, Congressman Ted Lieu of California. His message to Trump and his followers, while cloaked in, in, a, in a veneer of senatorial civility, conveyed the same venomous message as if delivered by one of Stalin's goons to a Russian dissident. The gist was, just say that you committed a crime against the state and everything will be all right. Here's Lou on Trump's supposed guilt. He does not say the one sentence that matters. He does not say the one sentence that would stop future political violence. The election was not stolen. He still hasn't said that sentence. Just one sentence and the bashings will stop is the metaphorical equivalence of what we've just heard. As shocking as this this is, Lou's next sentence then gives the whole Democrat game away. That is why National Guard troops in full body armor still patrol outside. Now just think about that. As Raheem Kassam said, the Democrats are admitting to using the army as shock troops for political purposes. The Capitol precinct in Washington DC remains occupied by armed soldiers. A huge fence topped with razor wire surrounds it. All because legislators think they need protection from Trump's domestic terrorists. By the way, soldiers' social media was checked to see if they were Trump supporters before they were even allowed to be deployed to the Capitol. The land of the free seems to be becoming a one-party state, at least for the military, and in fact for anyone else who wants to advance in in polite society. Now, Trump supporters and conservatives everywhere wore Hillary Clinton's deplorables smear as a badge of honor. Infuriated, the elites have upped the ante and branded us all as domestic terrorists. The aim is to make sure no one ever again says out loud what Pence called irregularities and the setting aside of state election law during a presidential election. Biden's legitimacy must be protected at all costs. Imagine if there were irregularities or evidence that the Australian Electoral Commission had set aside the law in the conduct of an election here. We wouldn't put up with it. We'd fight like hell to get to the bottom of it. Now, former Trump trade advisor, the Harvard-educated Dr. Peter Navarro, has released a report detailing what he sees as evidence of fraud and irregularities. I've read it, and I suggest you do too. Navarro states that even just a fraction of the alleged illegal ballots, even if just a fraction of them were set aside, Trump wins easily. Now, clearly the allegations of fraud that Navarro has raised and and others have raised are not baseless. They are real. Can they be proven? I don't know, but there's enough evidence there that should at least be looked at. Nothing justifies political violence, and that goes without saying, but frustration of millions of people, tens of millions of people, is understandable. Calls for investigation should be encouraged, not suppressed. That's what we should expect in a free society. Former newspaper publisher Conrad 
Black writes in the Epoch Times, it is quite simply, sorry, it is quite likely that more than 45,000 votes that were required to flip to deliver Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin to Trump could have been found if the post-election inquiries had been conducted and adjudicated thoroughly. One, uh, only one court in the state of Wisconsin has actually heard evidence and Trump's team lost in a split 4-3 judgment. The other cases were not heard because of standing or timing issues, legal technicalities, probably because the courts, including the Supreme Court, did not want to become embroiled in the politics of a hotly contested US presidential election. The MyPillow founder, Mike Lindell, paid for his own two-hour investigation and television documentary detailing what he calls absolute proof that Dominion voting machines and the Smartmatic software were hacked on election night, flipping votes from Trump to Biden. He presents compelling evidence the machines were connected to the internet, something Dominion has claimed does not happen. I watched Lindell's documentary and I would say it is, sorry, and I would, I would not say it is absolute proof, but he certainly offers evidence which should not be condescendingly dismissed. Instead of debating Lindell, the left is cancelling him. His products are being thrown out of the big box stores and big tech is using its powers to suppress him. He's off Facebook and Twitter. His Christian drug recovery network, which is dear to the heart of the ex-crack addict, is also being targeted. The left doesn't debate anymore. They just demonise. By letting loose the armies of hell on Lindell, the left is sending a powerful message to any other would-be dissidents, shut up or else. If the Democrats, mainstream media and the big tech oligarchs are so sure that Biden won the election in a bigger landslide than Barack Obama, then they would not be afraid of anyone raising questions about the result. Surely they could be easily rebutted, not with assertions, but with evidence. But show trials and the co-opting of the military as shock troops is not the way to heal a nation which has legitimate questions that go to the core of democratic integrity. Now, of course, Donald Trump was acquitted in the Senate of inciting an insurrection. The trial, as I've argued, um, and the whole impeachment process was a farce, and it was designed to cancel Trump and an entire political movement that still wants the swamp drained. Now, I know many Australians and many of my viewers are uncomfortable with Trump. I get that. I'm no fan of his narcissism or his past treatment of women. While in no way excusing his character, people forget that Bill Clinton was a serial betrayer of Hillary, even in the White House, and of course Monica Lewinsky is famous. And John F. Kennedy, that other sainted president, almost nightly betrayed Jackie to feed his sex addiction with prostitutes and with Marilyn Monroe. However, and there is an however, so much of Trump's policy agenda was good and is now being unwound. Border security is gone and illegal immigrants are now flooding across the Mexican border. The Keystone Pipeline from Canada was cancelled, putting 11,000 people out of work with the stroke of a pen, not to mention the undermining of America's energy security, all the while the Chinese Communist Party builds 127 more coal-fired power stations. Trump's protection of women and girls' sport is gone with Biden issuing an executive order that biological blokes must be allowed to play in the girls' teams and shower in their locker rooms at public high schools all across America. Feminists are saying that Biden has destroyed women's sport, and they are right. 
The CCP is loving having a weak president and is already flying bombers over Taiwan, whitewashing the COVID inquiry and raping Muslim women. Trump's personality isn't everyone's style, and I certainly didn't agree with his ungracious demonization of his opponents. But I did admire his policies and the strength of his conviction. But all that is gone in a suspect election. The media hatred of Trump and their biased reporting for the last four years and the feeding frenzy since January's six riots culminating in last weekend's impeachment trial in the Senate has been nothing short of disgraceful. The mainstream media simply can't be trusted. Nothing demonstrates this more than the clip I'm about to show you. Michael Vanderveen was one of Trump's lawyers defending him in the Senate last weekend. In an interview with CBS presenter Lana Zak, Vanderveen called out the media's biased. It's so rare to see this happen. I want to play the entire interview. It's powerful and it's riveting. Take a look. Joining me now is former President Trump's attorney, Michael Vanderveen. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Let's get right into those words that we heard from Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He ended the trial with this passionate speech about President Trump's involvement in the insurrection. During it, he said that the former president is still liable for everything he did during his period in office. Are you expecting to face more charges against Mr. Trump in the near future? And do you anticipate being part of that defense? No, that's just political rhetoric. And I was hopeful that something would come out of this, that the political rhetoric would stop out of Washington, D.C., but I guess apparently it hasn't. Were you, though, surprised to hear those words coming from the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate? I'm not surprised to hear a politician say anything at all. No. Well, throughout throughout the trial, you denied that Mr. Trump had a role in inciting the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. You argued, first of all, that there was no insurrection. But during your closing arguments, you seemingly admitted that there was, in fact, an insurrection, using that word, saying that that, that was not up for debate. What role no, you, did the you, former you president you play? You didn't, you didn't understand the case. I used the word I'll give you the opportunity to clarify, my, sir. Sure. I uh, used the word insurrection in my closing argument when quoting the charging documents. Um, what happened at the Capitol on January 6th is absolutely horrific. But what happened at the Capitol during this trial was uh, not too far away from that. The prosecutors in this case doctored evidence. They did not investigate this case and when they had to come uh, to the court of the Senate, to put their case on, because they hadn't done any investigation, they doctored evidence. It was absolutely shocking, I think, uh, when, uh, when we discovered it and we were able to expose it and put it out. Uh, I think it turned a lot of senators. The American people should not be putting up with this. They need to look at who, uh, who these House managers were uh, and look to see whether these are the folks they want representing them. It was absolutely, it was shocking to me. Wouldn't have believed it. Uh, let's follow up with, uh, with a point that you're making right now about the House managers, as you say, doctoring evidence. And, uh, and the argument they didn't, uh, they didn't to be deny clear for it. our viewers. They didn't deny it. Uh, to I be put clear it in for, front of them three times. To be clear times. for our viewers. 
what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark uh, that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet. Uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing you say of, of the tapes is that how wait, is wait, that wait, the wait, doctored wait, wait, evidence wait, 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 of what you're speaking? Wait. That's not enough for you. That's not enough for you. I'm, I'm, I, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, sir, no, no. I'm trying. Listen, I, I am not a listen, juror in this trial. What I'm trying to be all, clear for our viewers is what you actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to. No, not no, everybody no. has found, been following. It's not okay. No, not everybody, to doctor sir, a little bit of evidence. Respectfully, respectfully I have not, not said it is. Question, I have not said it is okay. Ma'am, your question is. I want turned. to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what I want to be clear for our viewers about what exactly you're saying when you say doctored evidence. The media has to start telling the right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings. And as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence. There's more stuff that we uncovered that they doctored, to be frank with you. And perhaps that will come out one day. But we won this case, and I'm not a sore loser, but what happened, or a sore winner, I should say, but what should happen is somebody should look at the conduct of these house managers. It's unconscionable, aside from all of the due process violations that my client had. And the media should be looking that at a square, straight way. The straight way. When I watch the news, I watch one station and it's raining. I watch another station at the same time and it's sunny. Your coverage is so slanted, it's got to stop. You guys have to stop and start reporting more like PBS does rather than uh, 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 a TV news show that doesn't have any journalistic integrity at all. What I'm telling you is that they doctored evidence. And I believe your question says, well, it's only a Twitter check and, a, and changing a year of a date here. They switched the date of a Twitter a year to try to connect it to this case. That's not a small thing, ma'am. The other thing they did is they put Sorry. a check mark on something to, to make it look like it was a validated account when it wasn't. And when they were caught, they didn't say anything about it. They didn't even try to come up with an excuse about it. And that's not the way our prosecutors or our government officials should be conducting themselves. And the media shouldn't be letting them get away with it either. I'm tired of the biased media on both sides, left and right. What this country wants, what this country needs, is this country to come together, to take the left and the right and find a middle ground and start responsibly being our public officials, our elected officials. And, the new, and the re, one of the reasons why they do it is because of the media, because the media wants to tell their narrative rather than just telling it like it is. And frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm not a media. I'm not in front of your cameras all the time. Uh, but what right. I've been subjected Sir, I, I, to this I last week. I understand. Yeah. And I've given you, don't you the opportunity. You want to hear the truth. Yeah. Okay. I've given you the opportunity. I, I will remind you that what I said was that for our viewers who have not been following all of the hours of of this trial, mm -hmm. to be clear about what you what you are speaking about, and I understand I'm speaking that you about seem the house managers' upset. failure to prove their case. 
That's that, that's what I'm telling and you. They you weren't able to prove their the case. Acquittal. You have won the acquittal of your client. Yes, and if you'd I like did. to continue to talk about this conversation, we can have that discussion. I don't need but, to. Uh, but for me to ask a question, a, a, slant, a, a slanted question, viewers, a slanted question that was set up question. to say it's okay for them to cheat. That was your question. Isn't it okay for that. them to cheat? I didn't it's say just that. Just a little bit. You, you know, said to be fair, it was only fine. a check on the Twitter. That's what you said. You got to live by your words. I, uh, That's I, the problem. The media has to start living by the truth and not try to right. create a narrative. Michael Vanderveen. Yep. Thank you for Citizen. joining us. I, I do appreciate. Yep. Okay. I, I, I see you taking off your microphone now. That was President Trump's defense attorney, Michael Vanderveen. I think the frustration that Vanderveen felt and expressed so powerfully is how so many of us feel when we watch the mainstream media. They have no regard for the truth and they simply push their narrative. This is why even last weekend's show trial of Trump has failed to damage his standing. He, is still, he still remains the Democrats and the establishment Republicans' worst nightmare. His movement is not going away. The treatment of Trump resonates here in Australia amongst Australian conservatives. We too are tired of our media's bias, particularly that of the taxpayer-funded ABC. We're also tired of the lack of will and courage amongst politicians to stand up to the radical left and even to the CCP. Conservatives are not buying the media narrative. We are not submitting. Well done, Michael Vanderveen. This week, the South Australian Parliament is debating a Liberal-led abortion-to-birth bill. It's almost incomprehensible that the Conservative side of politics is leading this charge with some of the most courageous opposition actually coming from Labor MPs. The move has incensed the South Australians who normally are part of the Liberal Party's base. Around 5,000 of them marched uh, for life in Adelaide. I spoke to one of the organisers of the march, the Australian Christian Lobby's Christopher Brohair. Well, joining me now is Christopher Brohair, the South Australian Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. He was one of the key organisers of the recent Walk for Life uh, in support of human rights for the unborn and their mothers. Christopher, um, great to have your company. Welcome to the Lyle Shelton Show. Great, Lyle. The last time we were chatting, we were on on the in a cafe overlooking the the Brisbane River, weren't we? That was we we were indeed at Christmas time, and um, yeah. you very kindly told me about the upcoming march. I saw the coverage in the media recently, and I was really keen to to have a follow up chat with you. Um, it seems like you had what about four or five thousand people at the event. Yeah, we conservatively numbered it at four and a half, but uh, I reckon we were pushing five. Um, the car park attendance thought we had about five because about double the cars we had last year so i think you can safely say we were around five and, and christopher this is of course um to make a public demonstration uh, about the need to support human rights for the unborn in the face of an abortion to birth bill that's being pushed by the marshall government it's not a government bill but it's been put forward by one of their own uh, a minister michelle lensick um, what sort of response or reaction are you getting from the parliamentarians to the protest action that you've taken? Um, the mood here is very positive, Lyle. The, the bill will pass. The, so 
the bill to move things out of the Criminal Law Consolidation Act into a standalone bill, that'll pass. But on the issue of abortion to birth, there's a real uptick that's happening here as a result of uh, some in, some uh, a, a opinion piece put out by Associate Professor Jonah Howe from the University of Adelaide and the walk, um, it's now clearly in the public debate in the media that this is about abortion to birth. The Attorney General had been saying, no, no, it's not about abortion to birth. Now it is. So the Channel 7 carried, an, carried a news item on the walk and say, and they said under the current law up to about 23 weeks, the bill will allow it up to 40 weeks. So that's front and centre now. And that's shocking people. So that's been exposed as a lie. This trying to fudge the detail and say that it's not about abortion to birth, that's now well and truly seen to be not true. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it's a lie or the Attorney General was mistaken as to the terms of her own bill. I'm not this saying... Is, this, is the, this is the Liberal I, Attorney General too um, who's defending this, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that she's wrong and she yeah. is wrong. So yeah. it appears the supporters of the bill have switched tack and we have an email sent by another government minister to a constituent saying the current law allows abortion after 28 weeks for us, uh, mental health reasons. That is wrong. That is wrong. And uh, Professor Howe has written a briefing note uh, showing that that is wrong from the text of the, of the current law and we're circulating that uh, widely. So they've shifted ground, but they're wrong both times. So do you think, um, whilst uh, it's disappointing that the, the bill will pass, as you say, obviously the numbers are overwhelming, you've got you know, the majority of Labor and obviously a, a majority of the Liberal government supporting it, uh, what are, what's the hope that we might see some amendments and at least, um, you know, have this softened? Because cause any softening of a bill like this, is, is recognition that unborn babies deserve human rights. So I imagine they won't want to do that, but it looks like the pressure you guys are building might um, cause them to, to have to amend the bill. Very hopeful of getting an amendment um, that will say that after 23 weeks and six days, abortion will only be allowed to preserve the life of the mum or some similar limited circumstances, which is the current law. Very hopeful. We've got the leader of the opposition on our side on that, probably. He's come out publicly and said he's got concerns about abortion to birth. So um, in a funny way, if we get some of these amendments in, it could be better than the current law. Wow. So wow. we, it, this is obviously anything could happen between now and next week, and then it's if we get the amendments in the lower house, it's got to go to the upper house again, and they've got to consider it. But there is a real buzz. There is a real momentum building. We had a half-page ad in the advertiser today. Uh, we're having a full-page ad in the advertiser on Saturday. We're having another ad um, following. There's Last Sunday, there was a talkback on 5AA, one of the commercial radio stations, and, and the Sunday before. Particularly the Sunday before, enormous, for three hours, people rang in on this. Wow. wow. Uh, on, on, well, on, on, on your main commercial radio station. One of the big commercial radio stations. Yeah. And hey, Christopher, really, just to... So, sorry, go on. Something really interesting happened. Someone sent a text to the host 
saying, how do you know anything about this stuff, etc. And he nearly broke down. He said, we had a stillborn child 28 years wow, ago. Wow, wow. And the hurt never goes away. Gee, gee. That's powerful. Um, have you got a recording of that? Um, I can get it. It's on 5AA. It, 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 it would be great to get a recording of it. It was a talkback which went for three hours, so and most wow. of it was on this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me about the the newspaper ads that you were running. What did they say, and what was your messaging? So, the Attorney General's Department and the Department of Health put out a list of frequently asked questions and answers. Question five says, "What happens in late term abortions?" And the answer given was this: In late term abortions, the baby is still born. In those circumstances, the baby is born alive, wrapped in a blanket, and off given to the mother to hold until it dies. In other circumstances, feticide occurs, and the baby is dead before uh, is still born. Most that is what they have said. Most people are shocked when they hear that. Yeah. So we have put that front and center in our ads and say this is what they are wanting you to vote. This is what they are proposing. And then we have a call to action. Um, please vote no. Well, what uh, was the reaction? That's a very, very confronting. I mean, you're quoting back to them their own words. Every what? person that we have said that to, every, uh, we've run a number of meetings right throughout the countryside, the country areas, and in the city. And every person who you say that to goes, whoa. And we've actually won a vote on that because uh, a country member told one of his supporters, that he had been to a forum, one of his constituents rather, and he'd asked about late-term abortion and they'd said that and he said that was it for me. That was wow, wow. So you're changing hearts and minds. Um, with with the, the march then, um, it, was it the biggest number of people you've had turn out to a demonstration in support of human rights for the unborn uh, in South Australia's history? It'd have to be right up there, I'd, I'd imagine. I don't know. Uh, in terms of history, because I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the time I've been interested in um, politics, which has been since, from a Christian point of view, since 1978. <laughs> That's a, I think you're um, well qualified to opine on the historical <laughs> happenings in South Australia. So, look, it's a very big march. What was the mood of the people there as, as you marched? Um, I'd imagine there would have been a bit of a buzz there. It was wonderful. There was a sense of peace and friendliness and joy. Everyone wore white. Uh, we, we controlled the signs. So uh, Love Adelaide, who was the organiser, had printed thousands of signs uh, in pink and blue and white. Uh, so we didn't allow any nasty signs. We confiscated some. Yep. Uh, there were mums, there were babies, there were older people, and it was a real buzz. And what summarised it for me was we had some friends staying and they didn't make the, the walk, but they went and bought some uh, to a, a, a little cafe around the area with the where the walk was. And there were some people from the walk there, and they said there was an atmosphere of quiet friendliness. Wow. And there was a sense of when the people of God gather, the Spirit of God is there, and there was a sense of that, that joy and real peace, but still steely determination.
Fantastic. Well, what I love about that, Christopher, is um, is obviously the respectfulness, the, the peace, the, the presence of God. Uh, but the fact that people are out there doing something, um, this is a day for activism, I believe. And uh, we've been quiet for too long. Um, but uh, it's better than late than never. And it's great that people are raising their voices because I think the times are going to get tougher and we're going to need to see more of this, uh, not less. Would you agree? Absolutely. And uh, I should say that it was a rainy day. It was, didn't rain all the time, but we had scudding showers um, right through the day. And with all of that, we got four and a half to 5,000. Brilliant. We agree that if it had been a fine day, we would have cracked seven. Fantastic. Well, wow, that's that's really good. I noticed too, um, your speakers, you had um, you had someone from the Labor Party, uh, Claire Scriven, uh, an upper house member of parliament. Uh, that's fantastic. And uh, you also had uh, the liberal senator, Alex Antich, who is really distinguishing himself as someone who's not uh, afraid to stand up for the vulnerable. Yes. So we're blessed in this state to have a cross-party movement. As I said, the leader of the opposition is concerned about late-term abortion. The premier is on the other side. Claire Scriven's been a real gift from God. She's led the charge. Uh, in the upper house and generally, and see, and Alex has come on board in a remarkable way. He's got he's running a an open letter on his Facebook page. He's had thousands of signatures. Um, so it's it, and we've also had Nicola Centafanti from the um, Liberal Party in the upper house. We've got strong support in the lower house from uh, people like Tom Kutsantonis from the Labour Party. So this is and from other senior members of the Liberal Party. This is truly a bipartisan move, uh, uh, movement, and it, it's wonderful to see. And um, so uh, it's in many ways, some of our leaders are from the Labour Party. And that, that is a great thing because it's wonderful to see the Labour Party going back to its, its roots. It's fantastic, Christopher, because those of us who have been following this debate, I know you've been one of them, Who's followed this nationally over the last uh, you know decade or so? Uh, sadly, it's it's generally been the Labor Party that has led uh, the, this push for abortion to birth. Um, New South Wales a little bit different. I mean, some of the cross benches, actually, some of the National Party people, but generally um, Victoria, Tasmania, Queensland, um, it's generally been Labor that have been quite aggressive about this. Um, but South Australia a little different, uh, and I think that's giving us hope because none of us want to see issues of life and death um, monopolised as party positions by, by one particular party. That's right. That's right. This is truly a cross-party issue and um, we're really blessed to have people from both sides. Yeah, and, and I think the important thing, is, as we've touched on uh, in this uh, discussion, is even though it looks like the bill is going to pass, the, the work that you're doing, the, the thousands of people turning out, it's not in vain because if you guys achieve an amendment that acknowledges that we shouldn't have abortion all the way to, to birth, that the, um, the line should be drawn somewhere, that is acknowledging the humanity of the unborn, which, of course, the abortion extremists don't want to do. This is where the cognitive dissonance in this debate always is. So, you know, good on you guys for fighting uh, because... If you achieve uh, this amendment, uh, it means there's hope that we can roll this back and, and have acknowledgement in the other states and that we, should, we must never give up on fighting for the vulnerable and, and obviously their mothers who are, of course, uh, wounded and, and fathers, as your radio host 
pointed out with the tragic birth of his stillborn child, the pain never goes away. And, and I think that's the case, whether it's a stillborn baby uh, or one who's whose life is taken through abortion. So um, your work's not in vain, Christopher. Uh, ad admire it greatly. And just to ask all of you who are watching this who are not in South Australia, if you can make this a matter of intense and fervent prayer in the next week, the debate will start on the 16th and it will probably conclude in the lower house on the 17th. So we need to storm the gates of heaven and ask for the blessing to come down. And a verse that I'm sharing is from Genesis 32, 28, when Jacob wrestled with the angel and the angel put his hip out and he clung to God, clung to the angel. And the angel then said, you're going to be called Israel because you have got power with God and men. So that power came when he was helpless. He couldn't fight anymore. Yeah. He just fell. And so we have to cling and ask God to bring a blessing. Well, Christopher, why don't you lead us in a prayer right now uh, for that? I'm sure many of our audience um, will be very keen to, to pray along with you. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that heaven sees what happens in earth. We thank you for the inspiration and power you've given for all the work that's been done, for all who turned up for the walk, for all who spoke, for all who've written and visited and prayed and rung. But now we need you to work in the hearts of men and women in Parliament, those 47 members, 24 to win this vote. And Lord, the heart is your sphere of influence. And we ask you by the Spirit of God to work in the hearts, to change consciences. And we pray that these, this abortion to birth proposal would be defeated. We'd bring it back to 23 weeks, that abortion will be lessened and in your way, in your time, will be stopped. We ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Christopher. You're doing God's work there. Uh, God bless you and all your team and those who are involved. Thanks for being with us today on the Lyle Shelton Show. No worries. Thanks, Lyle. Well done, Christopher and the pro-life community in South Australia. It's heartening to see people fighting back on behalf of unborn children and their mothers. Please be praying as politicians debate this week. Well, while on the subject of South Australia, I'll be in Adelaide launching my book, I Kid You Not, Notes from 20 Years in the Trenches of the Culture Wars. I'll be there on Thursday, March the 4th. Liberal Senator Alex Antich is kindly doing the honours and you'll enjoy what he has to say. If you're in South Australia and like to come, please shoot me an email uh, to lyle at lyleshelton.com.au and uh, I'll be very pleased to send you an invitation. If you're in another state and you'd like to order a copy of my book, you can do so at lyleshelton.com.au. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening to the podcast. Please be a force multiplier and share this on social media. Thanks very much to Dave Pellow and his volunteers at The Good Source. Until next week, goodbye and God bless. The Lyle Shelton Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Lyle Shelton. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news, good S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.